Hi, I'm Colleen Nelson, licensed therapist, trauma expert, and fellow badass woman ready to rise up right alongside you. This podcast, Let the Rest Burn, is for the woman who has ignored, attacked, or even silenced her inner voice because she thought it was broken and needed to be fixed. It's for the woman who is ready to rise up and fully step into her desire, her joy, her full power, and make the impact she was destined to make. For the woman who cannot stand one more second waiting, watching, and witnessing the world crumble and is ready to rebuild and expand into a better future. For a woman who is so done trying to fix the world, she decided to start with healing herself and she let the rest burn. Hey everyone, welcome to Let the Rest Burn. Uh, This is Colleen and on today's episode, I have Katie Grimes. Katie is a dating coach who specializes in sex and love addiction and who hosts her very own podcast, Anything for Love. I'm super excited to talk to Katie today. Not only is she my first guest on my podcast, but uh, we have been working together for a long time. And she is a friend and also a fellow colleague and a mastermind over the last, was it six, seven months? Yeah. yeah. Seven months. Um, so I'm so excited to have you on here. Uh, today, we're going to you know talk about how Katie has really... From my perspective, when I first met you or saw you, I love following women who I feel like are just in their true, full power, right? They just like show up and own it. And that is like, that is Katie to a T. (laughs) And she is somebody who has found a lot of success in owning that power and in being who she is meant to be to her fullest self. And what I want to know today in the conversation I want to have with you is, you know, what are some of the hard things that you had to face? How did you get to this space of being in your fullest self? And what did you have to burn down to get here? Ooh, not asking any tough questions, are you? <laughs> <laughs> right? I know. <laughs> so good. I love talking about this part because I think so many times we can see other people, specifically on social media, and think that they have their shit together and think that they have it all figured out when really this is learned behavior. Absolutely. Right? Like this is this has come with practice. Yes. Yes. Which means anybody can do it. Which is kind of cool. I agree. I agree. And I I love I love having these conversations because I think we discover we discover what that practice looks like but also we I think we discover commonalities that we don't realize we have, you know, and when I'm, when I'm talking to women who I think have just figured it out or who have figured out a piece of their life that maybe I haven't, I'd make this assumption that they haven't struggled in the same way, or they're not still struggling, or there isn't this thing they had to do. And when I hear it, it's, it almost, it feels not only possible for me, but it also feels connecting. Yeah. It, it brings me into the community of women rather than in that competitive space or in that collaborative space. I agree. I often, I mean, and we'll talk about this, but when I started to get help and support, it made me realize that I was less alone with my thoughts and feelings. And then I was like, why didn't I ask for help earlier? <laughs> right. right? <laughs> Holy shit. Why did I not ask for, I mean, I just prided myself on being fiercely independent and having it all quote unquote figured out. But really deep down underneath that, I was just really ashamed that I hadn't figured it out. And for me, I was really ashamed that I would, that I had feelings and that I was emotional. Ooh, where do you think that came from? 
having the shame of just having emotions and not having it figured out. Yep. It, it came from growing up with a mom who suffered from alcoholism and what I now understand to be love addiction, mm-hmm. where she was compulsively getting into one relationship after another to try to validate her own self-esteem and her own confidence and was looking to other people to do that. It also came from my dad when he and my mom got divorced when I was three, specifically the day he left. Um, feeling very confused about their divorce and not understanding that I didn't have any control over it, nor was I the one who caused it. And then the kind of third layer is as my parents were going through their divorce and, you know, many years later, I think it was three years later, I moved in with my grandparents who at the time had just raised five kids. Almost all were out of the house with the exception of one, you know, maybe two. Mm -hmm. And my uncle and my grandfather were very emotionally abusive towards me. But in the same breath, um, because they both suffered from narcissism, is that they would would express so much love and attention towards me, but then within a moment's notice, they would take it away. And so... So Left you kind of turning inward and wondering what was wrong with you. Yeah, I would say in a way it had me turn inward to figure out what was wrong with me, but it had me turn outward to figure out what could I do to control their moods, their emotions, et cetera. So I believed for a very long time that my feelings didn't matter. And I believed that I was fully responsible for how others perceived me and or how they acted towards me. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that duality is really tough, right? Especially for children when, when you, it's like you, you have the feeling inside that who you are naturally, who you, how you show up, how you ask for love, how you ask for your needs to be met, that there's something inherently off or there's something that, that isn't quite right. So we look externally to try and figure out either whether it's a person that needs to shift or a situation that needs to shift or how are we, how do we show up differently? How do we dim the parts of ourselves? How do we shift the parts of ourselves so that we can actually receive the love that we want? And it's this, it's this pattern that I don't even think as a child in particular, we realize that we're in, it's very survival oriented. It's, you don't have a choice, right? In that moment, you did what you could to adapt to the environment you were in. And then as you get older, you start to uncover all of these pieces and kind of unravel the story. And then that's where you find, you know, where that work is. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I couldn't fully express that to you until this year when I started going to a therapist who not only specializes in addiction, who, but who also specializes in what's called ACA, right? Adult children of alcoholics in dysfunctional homes. Um, I'm sure you would call that interfamily, you know, but for me, I specifically needed her, this therapist to understand addiction and how my brain works and understand trauma and understand that I'm an adult child of an alcoholic and that there is, uh, that I do feel responsible for other people's behavior, which causes codependency and people pleasing. And I agree with you. It it wasn't, uh, it was not something I could articulate as a child, nor could I as a teen or a young adult. It wasn't until 2000 and nine, maybe 2000. No, I left in nine. So 2007, when I got into a romantic relationship with someone who I thought 
was simply, simply <laughs> at the time I didn't know that, but like right. at the time I didn't realize that he was narcissistic, that he was love bombing me, that he was an alcoholic and he was also a sex addict. Mm. At the time I didn't know those things because the, when the, because the love was so much, you know, and I thought it was healthy, yes. Yes. but what I realized is it was familiar. Ah, it felt like home. Yeah, completely. And mm-hmm. I'm grateful for that relationship. Um, as well as a few other things that had to burn down to the ground throughout that, those 12 years that I've been on this recovery journey, because there's a couple of things. I mean, one, it brought me closer to myself mm-hmm. and I really now understand why do I think act and behave the way that I do, not just outside of like, you know, human design and astrology, but like really deeply understanding why do I think, feel and act the way that I do. And what are the things that I can be thinking, feeling, and acting that will make me feel better about myself? Because it's often the contrary action. It's the thing that I don't want to do in the short term, but in the long term, it's going to give me the best results. And then I also think it gave me relationships with family members and friendships that, in my opinion, are the strongest that they've ever been. Mm-hmm. And it meant I had a lot in this journey, I had to let go of a lot of friends quote unquote friends. Um, and it was really lonely for a long time because as I was getting healthier, my sponsor in 12 step recovery would say, it's going to get lonely for a while here until we can get some healthy people to really fill that void because you're not meant to be on this earth alone, right? We're on this earth to love and to be loved. And then the third thing is it gave me the opportunity to help people internationally. Like I remember the first time in the, on the podcast, Someone, a woman, young woman, I think she was 18 or 19, she was sweet, reached out from Denmark mm. and asked for support around her love addiction. And I'll explain what love addiction here is in more, way more detail if you want. Yes, and she told me that my podcast was changing her life and that I just remember I literally was bawling on the phone with her. Like I couldn't even, I mean, we weren't coaching. It was a consult, but at that time I was like, holy shit, if I knew that all this mess that I had been through, not just in the 12 years that I had been learning but and actively learning, but all before that and all the heartache and all the friendships ending and relationships ending that would get me here where I am connected with a perfect stranger who lives internationally and just heard my voice when I had simply recorded it in the comfort of my own bedroom in, in, at the time, Brighton, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston, like I never in a million years would have thought that. And I just remember feeling an immense amount of gratitude. Like it still makes me cry to this day of just like the humility of having to go through such heartache and be able to now coach men and women internationally who have felt that they too have struggled with understanding why they are the way that they are or why is love the one thing that's missing when they are an amazing, good-hearted, kind-hearted person who sometimes loses themselves in relationships at the very start and then doesn't realize it for a few years later. Oh my goodness. There's so many, there's so many pieces of wisdom that you just said, (laughs) like trying to decide what, what I really want to even say after that, because I think Katie, you highlighted exactly the point. Mm. I think that when you're in the deep dark or the yuck or the unraveling, right before you burn it all down, like like when you feel the edge, I call it the growth edge, where you're like, oh, I got to burn some shit. 
I got to burn some shit to the ground and it is going to be fucking hard right before you get there. It is moments like this, this conversations like this. It is people like you that when you hear this person speak, when you hear this moment of, Oh, this is what's on the other side. This is what I'm burning it down for. Yeah. This, there is an end. This is not forever. And there's purpose. There's purpose and meaning to my struggle. And I, I can endure. I can make the hard choice. I can do the thing that is going to best align with what I am meant to do here on this earth. Yeah. Cause here's the thing. I still feel pain. Oh yeah. I still have to burn other things down along, along my way. And you and I joke about this, that every time I like launch a course, there is some lesson that God wants me to learn right before I'm about to go teach it. And it is uncomfortable and it is painful and I cry and I, I move through it with a lot of the somatic work that you had taught me about like releasing through the five rhythms and, and moving and punching and kicking and all that stuff and making sounds that allow me to release that. But I think if you had told me that you're going to meet your soulmate 12 years ago and you were going to, well, I left 12 years ago. So 14 years ago, you're going to meet your soulmate and you're going to have an amazing love. And it's also going to be the worst relationship you've ever been in, in your entire life. And I'm a big believer that soulmates are merely there to reflect back to you what you need to know about yourself. Yes. Is that all of these amazing things and all these difficult things would come along the way. And that, Oh, Katie, by the way, you're going to be able to leave corporate America. You're going to be able to make more money and work less well, sometimes working more, right? Like, let's be honest, sometimes I do work more. Um, but you will feel more connected to yourself and other people, people in such a deep and meaningful way. And truly, and I, I say this not to be traumatic, like I could die tomorrow and feel really grateful for what I've done in this work, in this earth, right? Yeah. Is like, yeah. if you told me that that would be the purpose or the reason behind leaving that narcissistic relationship, which by the way, I didn't know he was narcissist until this year. So this is 2022, 2021 is when I learned it because I started studying it. I'm like, what is going on? And I had a chance to talk to his ex. So we were able to compare stories. And when we compared stories, it was so healing. I just, I cried for a while after we spoke because I was so healing. If you told me that that was the reason for meeting somebody who I thought was my soulmate would be all these amazing things. But then in the same breath, some, this is a common mistake. I think Colleen is some people say, okay, so I'm going to make this decision. I'm going to let, let the rest burn. So I'm, and and then maybe we have this idea in our head that, that we've healed that shit and we're never going to feel pain again, or I'm a big believer. We're going to feel pain. We're just not going to feel that level or that intensity again, because we'll never allow ourselves to, because we know too much now. But we will cry and we will feel frustrated and we will feel annoyed. And this is a common theme that I'm hearing amongst my clients and prospective clients is the the quote, they say this. And yet I thought I already healed this shit. Mm. Why is it still coming up? And I did a podcast on this recently that I I said um, in my own podcast, I said, 
can we just cut ourselves a little slack and realize that we're always going to be learning and about ourselves and growing. So even though the shit we thought we healed all that, I thought I healed it 12 years ago. It's still going to pop up when someone distances themselves from me when I'm dating them. It's going to. And then eventually I won't, it won't matter because I'll meet somebody who, when they distance, who, when they distance themselves, they give me a heads up that they need space. And then my body and nervous system can relax into that and go, Oh no, this isn't that guy from 12, from 12 years ago. Yes. And I think, yeah, go ahead. I, I, I think I'm, I'm popping in here because what I think is super powerful is pain becomes integrated into our nervous system as warning signs, as triggers that help us uncover deeper truths, Mm -hmm. as protective boundaries. Mm -hmm. Pain, if processed and if dealt with in a healthy way, become our force field of which we raise our standards on. Yeah. So if it's, if it's unprocessed, right, it becomes the wall or it becomes the spiky jab or, you know, it comes out sideways, but our pain is informative. Our body is wise. If we are feeling and and experiencing something with someone that reminds us of a previous experience, we need to get curious about that. Yeah. And if that pain went away, we would, we would repeat the same mistakes because we wouldn't have that same level of information. And grief, pain, fear, sadness, all, all of those deeper emotions in our body and our nervous system are tools for our body to communicate to us, hey, slow down, take a second. Let's really, really check and make sure this is the choice we want to make. And so burning it down means that you burn down the old structure or the old framework or the old pattern that you used to process or deal with that pain or to to handle whatever you've been through. And then you create a new system that you now utilize the pain in an integrated way. You use it in a way that makes you stronger and more resilient. It's fucking genius, Colleen, because it's like, I started to really appreciate the, I started to appreciate the pain and be great, being grateful for the pain as though that's not only my body's response to something that I am rejecting because it feels familiar. Yep. But also the expression of rejection is God's protection, right? In Ooh. these moments when things aren't going the way that I planned, where can I, the and the pain that I'm experiencing, I think it's Tony Robbins who says pain plus resistance equals suffering. Ooh, so yes. my sponsor always used to say to me, suffering is optional. It's because you're not willing to feel the pain feel the pain, Kate, and you won't suffer. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you. I think the pain has allowed me, I remember sitting in bed, even just last week, texting you, we were talking about this and I, I was feeling so much pain and discomfort over being love bombed. And I was just like, how did I not spot this? Like I fucking do this shit for a living, but there's humility in the Mm -hmm. pain. And there's also humility in the experiences. Like one of my clients recently said to me, well, if you got love bomb, how, how do I avoid getting a love bomb? Like you, I mean, you do this for a living. And I said to her, I was like, yeah, but I caught it in two weeks versus two and a half years. 
So when I did your trauma-informed certification and we talked about boundaries and the boundary circle, which I've taught to literally everybody I know, (laughs) um, I talked about this fact that don't get it twisted. You are going to have experiences that are similar to past experiences. And no matter how much we try to protect our heart and protect ourselves from being hurt, you are actually resisting the pain that you perceive will happen. And you create, in my opinion, you don't create, you either create too rigid of boundaries or you allow a perfect stranger to just blow through the seven layers of the boundary and go into your inner circle, which is what I did because, you know, there are moments where the old strategies of things that I learned uh, recovering from sex and love addiction served me very well when I didn't know myself very well, nor did I love and accept myself. Those are different strategies that I sometimes need and don't need as somebody who is in the thick of it, being coached twice a week, three times a week, sometimes, you know, going through 12 step recovery, three times a week, going to therapy. Like I have all these safe and trusted people around me in my inner circle now, which is like, as you were saying, like there's inner self. And then there's that like one level deeper. I always say that the one, the one level out on the rung is like everyone who knows where the bodies are buried, like joking, but like they know the secrets of my life is that I have a propensity to take a perfect stranger and have them blow all the way into my inner circle myself when no one can get through that fucking fortress. And it's frustrating in the times where I allow that to happen. But it's also because I understand back to what we were saying as I learned as a kid is that sometimes if I am feeling lonely or I'm feeling sad or I'm avoiding any of the feelings that are going on, I can lower my boundaries and let somebody come through. And then I go, oh shit, that's right. I don't do this anymore. I forgot that I don't rush. Like I forgot that I go slow. And then I check in with my inner child and I, or at this time inner inner children were screaming. Like there were many of them being like, um, hi, yeah, no. So we don't let anyone into our home, our hearts or our body until there has been an extensive period of time. And we've seen them not only during the day, multiple times at night, you know, like there was like these rules that they were setting for me that I was like, I hear you barking big dog. Okay. We're not going to do that again. And I say that from a humble place because I'm very honest with my, with my private and group coaching clients, the lessons that I'm learning now as a woman who's been in recovery 12-step recovery for 12 years, who's been recovering from sex and love addiction for six years actively, and who has sponsored other people and who, who is active in her recovery, that I do not do this work perfectly. And I think mm-hmm. any of us would be fools to think that we do because the moment that I started this business, I even started to say to myself, like, I don't need to go to meetings that much. Now, COVID hit too. So that was like a little fluid. But I remember being like, No, 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 no. Remember how you got here. You got here because you were in so much pain and you were resisting the pain and that's when you suffered. We're just going to feel the feelings. We're just going to feel the feelings of what this feels like and run into all sorts of situations and circumstances and get help along the way because you can't do this work alone. Yes, you cannot do this work alone. And I almost welcome the pain. 
Yeah. I, that sounds, that sounds a little intense. So I'll break it down, but I think as a, as a therapist too, you know, I, there's a lot of questions that people ask about, you know, well, do you, now that you have all the tools or you know what to say or what to do, or, you know, the boundary circle of influence, right. You know, all of these layers to protect yourself, you know, do you do it? Mm. And, you know, the answer is yes and no, you know, yes, having more tools helps, but you want to know the number one reason I can, I think, um, I want to use the right word here. Endure is coming to mind, but I don't want to use endure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we can use it. But the number one reason that I can take a difficult situation and welcome it welcome it as a, as a growth opportunity is because of the community is because of the people that I have cultivated in my life to support me around my hardship, who will call me out there. I hope I really fucking hope there is not a day that I don't get called out by someone or something for some reason, because I believe in living at your growth edge. I believe in risking. I believe in doing new and different things. I believe in always facing your stuff. I mean, fuck, you called me on my energy beginning of this call. And I was Mm. like, damn right, Katie, I'm going to set some boundaries and be right back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, also you made it really safe to do that because over the seven months that we've been getting to know one another, you've invited that level of bullshit calling out. And when I have been open to receive that as well, and even said, like, I mean, I give people permission, right? Because one of my good boundaries is I'm like, well, I'm, I'm, if I don't want it, I'm not going to give permission, right? Is, is being like, okay, so I'm willing to receive feedback. And there have been times where I've either called you to receive this feedback or know you and trust you enough to say, okay, Colleen, I just need some, like, I have some tough love right now. Give me, give me, give me all the shit, you know, (laughs) that we've cultivated that level of trust with one another. And I think, I think that's an important lesson that I've learned in cultivating romantic relationships is we're so quick to run to the finish line when the reality is, is as women who specifically, I, my experience is, is dating men. So while I truly believe that love is love for this example, I'm just going to share male to female is that, um, dating men for me, I have always tried to like rush to the finish line, but if I truly take my time and get to know them, they will do what I want them to do, which is to be consistent and predictable. Yes. Right. Cause that's what makes women feel safe is when you're consistent and predictable, then we're like, well, I know how he's going to respond to this, or I know how they're going to be. And, and I've been craving that consistency and predictability my whole life since I was a little girl. Yes. And, and it also also feels a little scary, right? Like I, like, I think, you know, one of the, just, just a, a quick little nugget, I won't go too far on this rabbit hole with you, but I think, one of the things that you you teach on in your groups, I think you have a you have a new one. What is it? Ready to date? Yeah, is that the one you just did? You just launched that, or are you launching that? Yeah, one? I just launched it. Oh, I'm, I'm so, so excited, excited for it! I know. I know. How how long is it? Is it six weeks? No, I actually ended up doing it as a um, three week program, and mm. it will be condensed down to two weeks going forward. I'm finding that in a shorter amount of time, you get a greater impact. Yes. I mean, yes. the, 
the, I just did a two week program with a bunch of women and holy shit. I was like, why have I always like, why have I been running three and six month programs? Don't get me wrong. There's something to be said about the trust that is built over that length of time. The transformation is huge in a short amount, in a longer amount of time, meaning there's more wins, but in a shorter amount of time, these women had huge breakthroughs that I was like, Holy shit, I'm doing this going forward. (laughs) Oh, I love that. And, and especially when you hold the container and I think what I see you do and like a incredibly real and authentic and, you know, no bullshit way, like people that join your group, they're going to come in, they're going to learn like whether or not they're actually ready to date. Right. And also why it is that they're where they're at, right? Like, and and what they're going to do about it. And they're going to learn about it right now, right here in this moment. The second they log onto that call, it's going to immediately be wisdom hitting them. And I think that that potent precision that you have is speaks to your experience. And, and I, I want, I want to say this, because I know this is a little, again, I'm talking about duality here. You are so good at getting intimate quickly in the right environment. Yeah. So I imagine that's hard to slow yourself down in a romantic relationship because yes. especially in a group of women or those that identify as women, we get there so fast yeah. and we hold the space so well that engaging in a heteronormative relationship, especially where sex becomes involved you, it feels so hard to wait for those moments that come so easily in the areas that you shine. Colleen, that is so well said. That is really well said because what I find, and this is how I start every first kickoff call that is live, be it a private coaching call or be it a group, is I say, I am going to earn your trust by showing up for you when I say I will, keeping what we say between us and not judging shame or criticizing you. If we can do that, those three things for one another, then what's going to happen is I'm going to go, you and I are going to go from being strangers to me knowing where the bodies are buried (laughs) and we'll be able to do it either on one call or it'll take many calls. (laughs) And what I find is that specifically when actually it's all group or private, doesn't matter. They all go right there really quickly. And it's really powerful. Even on the first call, when you start to see them being really vulnerable and sharing things that they've have either a never shared before, or B would never even fathom telling a perfect stranger or perfect strangers. And it lays the groundwork for trust. So what happens is people share really quickly, very deeply, and they trust you very quickly. I show up the same way in romantic relationships. And that has not always worked to my advantage. And, and, and I say that in the, in the sense that sometimes the relationships end, but when they do, I think they always feel like they know more about themselves now because we've been, because I'm, I willingly let them just share whatever feels comfortable for them. And you know, you and I have talked about this, that there is a deep need for men to feel supported and to feel like they're not being needy and that they can, they can allow themselves to feel the feelings. And I think the more that we create spaces for people to share those, those things that they've never shared before, or their feet or actually identify what they're feeling, I think that that was the most powerful tool that I learned really six years ago when I, when I joined sex and love addicts anonymous. Mm -hmm. 
And I, you know, you just spoke to something that I think is important. And Katie, you, you've mentioned this a little bit in our work together. So I want to make sure you're still kind of thinking of pursuing this. But, you know, I was saying like women will go there. We'll seek out these communities, these supportive relationships, these leaders, these spaces. And men, I do think men find it in um, AA. I do. Um, I think there's some missing components there therapeutically for me, but in some of the groups, right? But I think that we need more spaces. We need more spaces for men to find that. And men need to do their work just like women need to do their work. Because if we're talking in particular heteronormative relationships, in order for those two to meet in the middle, we need to grow simultaneously. And I'm finding in the millennial generation and even the Gen Xers and now the Gen Zers coming up, um, there's a little bit of a discrepancy and it's time for those of us out here doing the work to also kind of extend our hand out to the men and, and help them a little bit and create spaces for them. Whether we do it or other men do it, I think it's important. And uh, is this still something that you are considering bringing into your work? Yeah. So I made an announcement today. This is really good timing. I made an announcement on Instagram today that my Instagram account is going to be changing over to that of being a dating coaching, dating coach for men. And I'm going to be giving men um, suggestions and advice and things that they can be doing to cultivate better romantic relationships, specifically with women. And again, this goes back to I really believe that my work is intentional of being inclusive of all genders, of all sexual orientations, um, of all g- those who don't identify with gender with genders. Is that this is this work? Whoever is going to want to work with me and get support and guidance needs to know that it's a safe place because they are them. Yes. Right. Yes. And so. While my Instagram will be switching over to this male to female relationships, a lot of my lesbian clients have said to me, girl, the same shit you're talking about applies to women. And I'm like, no, I know. <laughs> so they're like, we won't hate. We won't hate. It's all good. So true. Yeah. I, I think that the more that I, you know, I ended a relationship, really healthy and loving relationship uh, last year. And in the time that I've been dating, I have opened myself up to seeing how much love and support men need and also a deeper understanding we as women need of these men, right? So I think it's twofold. One is is helping them understand if they are dating women, how is it that we think, we feel, we act? How can they better support us to be in healthy and happy relationships? But also, what can we as women who are dating these men do to make them feel comfortable to show up in that way and to be loving and supportive. And, um, I'm really excited to do this. I, I, I think it's been, I've shared with you privately that this is something for the last six months that I've been getting intuitive and spiritual hits on. And a lot of the work that I do is spiritual based. And and that is, I'm very grateful for my my learning in that of, and, you know, it was a big part of when I burned the rest down, I really had to understand how do you love yourself and, mm. and what does a relationship with a God of my understanding look like? And, you know, you said something earlier that I thought was really important is that, you know, I think men who are in AA are able to get the support that they need, but pre- predominantly internationally, 95% of men excuse me, 95% of people who are showing up to Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous meetings are men. 
which is huge. This means that as you walk into a room, uh, women are the minority in these groups. And that can be a little tricky, but what's super supportive is to hear men's perspectives of how they think and feel and act when it comes to sex and love and porn and masturbation and why they cheat and like all of these things and it, and why women cheat, right? It's, it's all these things and it's just so, so, so powerful. So yeah, I'm excited Mm -hmm. to really hold space for people this year and uh, go a little deeper. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait, Katie. I'm so excited. I am too. You know what I realized too? We didn't talk about sex and love addiction. You want me to cover that quickly? Um, Yeah. Yeah. I would love to hear kind of your working definition of that and like how you identify it. For any of the listeners that, you know, this just kind of is hitting home or you want to learn more about it. I would, I think this is a great, Katie's got a good understanding of what it is. And, you know, you can find her on Instagram at kg.katiegrimes. Um, and I think that she's got a, an amazing wealth of knowledge and resources on this topic, but I would, I would absolutely love to hear what your working definition of sex and love addiction is, Katie. Yeah. So my understanding of addiction just in general is it's a compulsive need to do something to make you feel better about yourself. We most commonly think of addiction as drug or alcohol. Mm. My understanding is that if you were to look at everyone who may be suffering from um, alcoholism or drug addiction, they are most likely all suffering from the root cause, which is sex and love addiction, Mm. right? Because it, it shows up in our relationships. And what's under the root cause of that? Most likely growing up feeling not good enough in some way, shape, or form, either by being bullied as a kid or, or having parents that were divorced. Even people who have were in safe, secure relationships with parents often find that they too compulsively use sex, porn, masturbation, or the relationships with others to feel better about themselves. And why it becomes an addiction is because it's a compulsive need to get into, for example, and and I'm going to give you examples of how it showed up in my life. There's so many other different variations of this that you can go, uh, you can type in SLAA 40 signs, what is it? SLAA 40 questions for self-diagnosis. That's what it's called. But my experience with sex and love addiction was the compulsive need to be loved by others, getting into one relationship after another, being emotionally or physically invested in someone else without really knowing them, assigning magical qualities to them, and then being disappointed when they didn't actually fulfill those needs. And then it was rinsing and repeating that behavior again and again and again and again. So anytime I was lonely, I was reaching out to my exes, or I was getting into a relationship, or I was having a one-night stand or something that would compulsively make me feel better in the short term when I would get that hit, uh, meaning when they would respond. And I, I use the words hit because it is like a drug. Right? Yep. You, you physically feel, if you've ever gotten high, you feel the sweats, you feel the like adrenaline mm-hmm. pump through your body, you feel the oxytocin release, like the dopamine, you feel all this happening. And in the moments where they wouldn't respond or you wouldn't, or they would leave the next morning or that night, mm-hmm. you would feel such a low that would, it would make you want to use again, either yes. with them with yourself or with somebody else. And so I find that most men really identify as being sex addicts uh, and use porn, masturbation, um, or avoidant 
lifestyle altogether, meaning that they might use strippers or stuff like that, but really never get physical with someone where women mostly identify as sex, love, and fantasy addicts, meaning we fantasize about the way life could be with this person versus the reality of what it is. And I had to burn that addiction to the ground in order to have the life that I have today. Now, I want to be also very clear that my sponsor directs me. She's like, you think you're a fool if you don't think you have this. I still have it. This addiction still, I, I joke, it's like in the back seat when I'm in the front seat of the car or when I'm in my meetings or whatever. It's always there pulling at me, wanting me to come back into the dark side. Oh, it'd be cool if you just text that guy or it'd be cool if you just text another person on the dating app. And the reality is, is I really have to check myself of like, what are my intentions? What are my motives? Am I doing this because my cup is already full or am I doing this from a place of trying to fill my cup up? And by really deeply learning what it means to love myself and continue to cultivate that loving relationship and a relationship with God, as well as other people. Mm -hmm. And you talked about this earlier, like your community, right? Safe and trusted people is that when I realized that I couldn't do this work alone, my whole life changed. Mm. Mm. I love that. And Kitty, I think that's such a powerful definition that is so integrated in your life experience and Mm. so multi-layered, which I hope, you know, when, when people hear it, I want, I want you all to hear it's complex and it's also from this core place. Mm. It's this core place, which I, I really want And you said this too, Katie, like there is possibility of recovery. There is possibility of a new lifestyle. There is possibility of you being in the driver's seat and your addiction in the backseat. There is possibility of all of this. And, and you're a working example of it. Yeah. All of it. Thank you. And I think there's also the opportunity to be in a healthy and a loving relationship with yourself and someone else. You know, the men that I attract now are totally different guys totally different. Even those who end up being avoidant or dismissive or who end up having their own addictions as I get to know them, like I can usually spot it within the first couple of dates now because I know it, I practice it, whatever. But, and plus because I have them. Yeah. Right. And so, but that's my life work now is to help people not only love and accept themselves, but understand why they are the way that they are and then go go look for the green flags, be aware of what the red flags are, understand what the difference between anxiety and intuition is, lust versus love, get into really healthy and happy, not only romantic relationships, but change the relationships with their families and their friends and just feel more fulfilled. Like you, like you were saying, the whole purpose of this podcast is, you know? Mm -hmm. No, I, I'm just going to let it all soak in. I just really appreciate the vulnerability and, and I think the openness that you have, and that's what I'm hoping to cultivate here is just these really deeper conversations behind the scenes of how all of us got to where we are and why we do what we do and, and how we can show up the ways that we show up. Because I think, again, for those that are out there listening and really wanting to, to make an impact, to live a life that feels full, I think they need to hear the stories. They need to feel in community. You know, you need to feel like you're not alone. So yes, I just, I just appreciate you, Katie. Thank you I so much. I appreciate you too. Thank you for the work that you're doing, Colleen, and, and, and creating this platform. 
you know, it's funny when I, I know I knew what the name of this podcast was before, before others did. And when you explained where it came from, I just remember that Glennon Doyle is who I, who encouraged me to be an author, right? I was mm-hmm. sitting after a breakup. I took my first vacation alone and I read her first book and I was laughing out loud in my lot in my like pool chair. And I thought, I don't know who this woman is, but she's incredible. And then who's, who knew that even just by reading her book and years later meeting you, and then you coming to me and saying, oh, have you read Untamed? And do you know Glennon Doyle? And feeling that sense of connection. And, and my memory was, oh my gosh, I read her book and she's who made me want to be an author. We don't realize, but that instantly connects me to you and then makes me feel safe and trusted, even though we're just like at that time, we're just newly getting to know one another. So, I mean, the work that you are doing around divorce and around helping people to feel more fulfilled within their lives as coaches, as business owners, as just everyday people, as parents, I mean, you're a living example of that and your humility and vulnerability is really powerful. So thank you for allowing me to be your first guest. I'm honored. Oh, well, you knocked it out of the park. Thanks. Uh, well, I will put all the information into the show notes, including that website. I'll make sure I get that specific I'll website that and, and as, as well as the ability to find Katie. So I appreciate you, Katie. And until next time, because I'm sure we'll have many of these we conversations. Will. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single second that you chose to set aside for you and the impact that you're going to have on the world today. To be inspired, to be seen, and to hold space starts with the very actions we take with ourselves. Look at the show notes for more information, like and subscribe, and share with friends if you feel inspired to. And as always, let the rest burn.